0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, today we're going to go through the uh, PFF grades, kind of take a look at that, see how everybody stacked up according to their film study and whatnot. Um, We are slowly beginning to get some injury news. It looks like Darnell Savage is the first to fall. He is going to miss multiple weeks, could end up on IR. He has a calf injury, and I do think that is just the first domino of uh, probably several that are going to be coming around the bend fairly soon. But all right, let's not waste any more time here. Um bidi bop biddy bing bang Start off on special teams again, because again, that's the least interesting. We had one standout player, and that was Kingsley and Igbare. Nobody was really terrible. Lowest graded was Stokes as he hobbled his way down the field, holding his hamstring. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but I mean, come on. It's just getting stupid at this point. Andres Carlson obviously had his first bad day. Um, Daniel Wheelan, again, I was really impressed with. They only gave him a 64 PFF grade, but um, 51.7 yards per attempt, 41.3 net, 59 was his longest. Two of those were kicked inside the 20, 4.54 average hang time. All right, the stuff everybody cares about, the offense. Um, Honestly, not a lot of mediocre. It was sub-60 or good, with the exception of four players. Uh, John Runyon was in the 60s, Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, flying my face, <laughs> and Jordan Love. Um, the negatives, starting from best bad to worst bad, Samore Ture, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Christian Watson, Yash Nyman, Josh Myers, Josiah Deguara, Rashid Walker, Elton Jenkins. Um, the positives, the good players, AJ Dillon, Ben Sims, Emmanuel Wilson, Aaron Jones, Dentavian Wicks, who is very rapidly going to become everybody's favorite player if he keeps this up. Um, although it was his blocking that really <laughs> gave him a good grade. And then the highest graded offensive player was Zach Tom, who just had a phenomenal freaking day, been waiting on that for a long time. He showed flashes of this, kind of waiting for Elton Jenkins to have one of these days, too. But pass blocking and run blocking, I mean, it was just beyond dominant. Um, Jordan Love had a 60.1 grade, but just a 58.5 passing grade. Zero big-time throws, one turnover-worthy play, which represents 2.9% of his passes. Average depth of target was 7.4 yards. Time to throw 2.46 seconds and had a 90.8 passer rating. Very, very weird game. I mentioned this yesterday on um, Packing It Out to Dark. I don't know that I've ever seen this before. But he had a 73.8 passing grade while under pressure, which is great, aside from the fact that he had a 47.3 grade when he was kept clean. He was 13 of 20, 73 yards, a touchdown, and a pick when he faced no pressure. He had a 133.5 passer rating under pressure and a 67.3 passer rating when not under pressure. So I don't know what in the world I'm supposed to glean from that. I mean, for the first time, I should be excited, hey, he handled pressure, yay, but it was like the worst game (laughs) with no pressure ever. So whatever, do with that what you will. For the receivers, um, I mean, the lowest receiving grade was a 57.8, which was Christian Watson, which really is not terrible. Uh, It's basically an average grade. He did have the most routes run on the team, 29 routes run. He was out there for 31 passing plays. Romeo Dobbs had a 62 receiving grade. He was the number two out there the second most. Uh, Luke Musgrave was actually number three. He was out there the third most. He had a sixty-sixth grade. It's kind of like reverse order. The guys with the lowest grades are out there the most. The guys with the highest grades are out there the least. Um, the next highest was Jaden Reed, which is actually the next or the the next lowest snap count, or the next highest or whatever, is the next highest grade. So it's literally in reverse order. Sixty-six point five grade. Then from there, and I'm skipping guys that weren't out there very much. Next in line was AJ Dillon, who was next in line as far as his receiving routes run he had a 70.6 receiving grade and then it was aaron jones who had the least routes run and had the highest grade i mean it is it is exactly inverse order the highest actual receiving grade was ben sims he only ran three routes but caught one pass for two yards etc etc uh Duntavian wicks is right in the middle he ran five routes and had a 67.8 receiving grade from a yards per route run standpoint though Duntavian wicks was at the top with 3.4 Emmanuel Wilson was 2.6, and A.J. Dillon was 2.13. Everything else was sub-2. People with less than one, Watson, Turay, and Sims. Uh, Contested catches, the Packers are 1 for 5, with the only contested catch being Romeo Dobbs' touchdown. Running backs, Aaron Jones is the highest-graded rushing grade with a 73.3 rushing grade. Emmanuel Wilson, 71.3. A.J. Dillon, 68.5. Aaron Jones had 4.4 yards per attempt and 4 yards after contact per attempt, which is pretty telling in and of itself that only 0.4 yards of his 4.4 yards were generated essentially by the offensive line. Emmanuel Wilson was 9.5 yards per attempt, 3.5 of that was on his own. A.J. Dillon 4.1 yards per attempt and four yards of that came after contact. As far as missed tackles forced, Aaron Jones had one, Emmanuel Wilson had one, A.J. Dillon had four. Longest carry was A.J. Dillon 15 yards. But Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Emmanuel Wilson, and Aaron Jones each had one carry over 10 yards, which is great to see because we've been lacking that. The only plus 15-yarder was A.J. Dillon, obviously, with exactly 15 yards. Then you got blocking, which is extremely up and down. I mean, it's, you know, the, the extreme highs and lows. Rashid Walker had a 65-run blocking grade, which is adequate enough, but a 40-pass blocking grade. He gave up three pr- hurries, no hits or sacks. And then you got left guard Elton Jenkins with a 40 run-blocking grade, which is terrible, but a 71 pass-blocking grade. Um, center uh, Center Josh Myers had a 42 run-blocking grade, which is terrible, but an 85 pass-blocking grade, which is basically elite. Then you had John Runyon, who had a 71 run-blocking grade, which is rare and great, but a 42 pass-blocking grade, which is terrible. Fortunately, no sacks, but a hit in two hurries. And then right tackle... Zach Tom had a 79 pass blocking grade and an 85 run blocking grade. So um, Runyon and Rashid struggled as far as pass blocking. Um, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, and Zach Tom all were really good at pass blocking, but really terrible at run blocking. And Zach Tom premier at everything. And then for uh, more bad news of the day, Josiah Deguara, who continues to just find ways off this team was the lowest graded pass blocker he only had one attempt but ended with a 4.9 pass blocking grade luke musgrave also with only three attempts ended with a 9.9 uh pass blocking grade so basically they just they didn't do anything um so that's rough tucker craft was the highest graded tight end as far as pass blocking goes so that's cool he also was the fifth highest run blocker um with Josiah DeGuara the only tight end ahead of him as far as run blocking goes, which, to be fair, that is what they do most of the time. You know, it's pretty rare, actually, that the tight ends are asked to pass block, so in a sense, it's almost more important. But um, anyways, why don't we take a quick break here, and then we'll rip through the defense. That's going to take a little bit of time, and I just want to make sure that we get this in. Probably be a little bit of a shorter episode, because it is getting late here for me anyways. so we'll take a break. Oh, and by the way, thank you very much to... Lucas Garou, Garou, thank you for your donation on Venmo, which is Packernet Podcast, by the way. Really, really appreciate you, and thank you for the help. We'll uh, take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones, Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, we'll start with the bad news first. Um, I mean, most of these are basically average. Like I said, you know, most of them are not actually in the 60s, but usually unless you're like down low 50s or whatever, I don't look too much at it. So T.J. Slayton had a 54 PFF grade, Keyshawn Nixon 50, Carrington Valentine 49, Jonathan Owens 48, and then Kenny Clark was the lowest graded defensive player. Um, just, it's just disappointing. And and, and he, he has a serious pattern, and I don't know if this is there's going to be a bounce back or whatever, but he has a real bad habit of starting off hot and just trending in the wrong direction. Last year, like through the first five weeks, he was the number one defensive tackle or something like that. And by the end of it, he was near the bottom. Um, and, and the bottom line is, you know, everybody has an off day, but there's there's just no excuse for being the worst player on your defense when you are Kenny freaking Clark. Uh, when you have the talent that you have, probably the most knowledgeable guy in our defense, um, we know the talent that he has because it's been on display even just this year. We see the pass rush potential. Um We've seen him. I mean, he's more of a pass rusher than a run defender, but we know he can do better than this. So, I mean, it's just, you can't be the leader of the team and be dragging the team down. I mean, that's just, I don't know. It's uh, frustrating. Again, everybody has bad days, but this is a pattern. Guys that are more in the sort of average range, Darnell Savage, 56, Carl Brooks, 56, Isaiah McDuffie, 57. Um, Razul, 58. Isaiah and Razul both surprised me. I thought they looked pretty good, but that has more to do, Razul especially with the tackling and run defense, which I'm not going to say I don't care, but you know, whatever. Preston, Lucas Van Ness with a 59.6. Anthony Johnson, who got four snaps. Quay Walker, Colby Wooden. And then toward the good end, you had Eric Wilson with a 68, who obviously also had to step in for a little bit. Um, Devontae Wyatt with a 69. Rudy Ford with a 70, basically. Another good day from him. I mean, that's, what, three in a row now? Brenton Cox Jr. actually stepped in. I didn't even really realize that. He was the third highest. He only played three snaps, but had a 74.8 grade. I'm not exactly sure how with his 60 run defense grade and 60 pass rush grade. (laughs) I don't know what he did, but kudos to him. Uh, Rashawn Gary was the second highest graded with an 82.9 PFF grade. He continues to freaking dominate. And love to see it kingsley and igbare who's been actually quite quiet um this year haven't haven't heard much from him uh recently but um i know run defense is kind of the area that he's been standing out in it's kind of been his niche and this is no real difference because if we sort by run defense he is the only one with a good run defense grade with a 76.3 the next highest is rudy ford with a 67 Um, As far as who stood out as with negative grades, Quay Walker, 54, Carl Brooks, 53, Kenny Clark, 52, Darnell Savage, 52, McDuffie, 45, Razul, 37, and Keyshawn Nixon with a 33. Tackling the guys that had bad grades, and this could be, you know, one or two missed tackles, but still, uh, Razul, Colby Wooden, Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, Devontae Wyatt, Keyshawn Nixon. Pass rush grades, we had three positive ones, Kingsley, Wyatt, and Rashawn wyatt continuing to just also dominate it's really un- i really hope he comes back because he has just been really really solid we'll get to the stats in about five seconds here but it's just pretty incredible what he's been able to do with extremely limited snaps he only played 10 snaps and then coverage we had uh, basically two negative jonathan owens and carrington valentine those are relatively obvious I, I stand by what i said early on i don't know why jonathan owens holds such a high position on this team he's never been anything other than a horrible safety He was a horrible safety his entire career. He came here and was horrible in practice. He was horrible through the preseason. He comes in today and was the second lowest graded coverage guy. Um, And I think the second lowest graded player on the team. So I don't get it. I know Simone Biles is cool and all that, but I don't understand why he is where he is. And then as far as positive coverage grades, actually, unfortunately, Isaiah McDuffie was the only one with a 70 or higher grade, and it was a 70.1. Statistics. Start with pressures. We had 15 pressures in the game. Kenny Clark just had one on 28 attempts, which obviously is pretty terrible. In fact, actually, let's go through some of these. Lucas Van Ness had zero on 10 attempts, which again, you're kind of looking for between zero and 10. It's not a lot of opportunities, but I would like that to be one instead of zero. Colby Wooden had 0 on 7. Carl Brooks had 0 out of 17. TJ Slayton had 0 out of 14. A couple others had like 1 or 2 or whatever. I'm not going to worry about that. Unless, of course, they actually generated, which some of them did. For example, Quay Walker had 1 pressure on 4 attempts. Preston Smith had 2 on 23, which it's about what you're looking for, I guess. It's a little sub-10%, but whatever. Devontae Wyatt had 2 on just 6 attempts. 6 pressure attempts. He had 2 pressures. I mean, this guy's gotta stay healthy, man. He's really starting to put something together here. Let me let me look at him real quick and just see what he's done this year. Cause again, the guy gets no respect. So here are his pressures throughout these games. And remember, he's always been limited in his snaps. Six, three, one, four, three, and two. He has nineteen pressures on hundred and two attempts. That is eighteen point six three. Eighteen point six percent. Just to put that in context, Miles Garrett is the, has the highest pass rush grade in the entire NFL right now. He has a 19.6 pressure rate, which is through the freaking roof. Ridiculously high. Nick Bosa is at 14.7. Devontae Wyatt is almost at 19. Freaking ridiculous. And he has the same number of sacks as Nick Bosa, with about half the snaps. For those of you that want to piss and moan about sacks, well, that's all that matters. Okay, well, there you go. There's your information. And then speaking of freaks, um, Rashan Gary had six pressures. He had nearly half the pressures of the entire team on 23 attempts. That's 26%. Rashan Gary's pressures this season have been 5, 3, 5, 4, 3, and 6. He has 26 pressures on 101 attempts. Rashan is generating pressures at over 25%. One in every four snaps he's getting to the quarterback. He has five sacks on just 100 attempts. That's once every 20 rushes he's sacking the quarterback. The most sacks in the entire NFL is eight. T.J. Watt has eight sacks on more than double the amount of opportunities. with 209. Rashawn, 101. Double what Rashawn Gary has right now. And you're looking at 52 pressures, which blows everybody else out of the water. And 10 sacks. Just saying. We need him on the field more. If you look at PFF's pass rush productivity, which is... Obviously looking at pressure rate, but also weighting sacks a little bit more heavily. Rashawn Gary ranks number two in the NFL, only behind the Jets' Bryce Huff. How productive are you as a pass rusher? He's number two, and that's edge rushers and defensive tackles. Devontae Wyatt is number nine. Two top ten pass rushers. They're both injured. They're both not getting playing time. Effing figure that out. If you look at win percentage, how often do they beat the guy in front of them? Rashawn Gary is number one ahead of Miles Garrett, who's number two. Nick Bosa is number three. Rashawn Gary is number one in the NFL. 29.6% of the time, nearly 30% of the time, he beats the guy in front of him. Miles Garrett is 29%. Nick Bosa is 25 Trey Hendrickson is 23. If you look at pass rush productivity, looking at true pass sets, which takes away double teams and that kind of stuff, Rashawn Gary, number one. He has 19 pressures on 55 attempts, four sacks, two hits, and 13 hurries. 19 on 55 attempts. And win percentage is even crazier. If we're just talking straight up, mano y mano, Rashawn Gary wins, beats the guy in front of him 40% of the time, 40.4. Second place is Miles Garrett at 32.9. Only five pass rushers are at 30%. He's at 40. And again, Pass rush productivity, looking at true pass sets, Devontae Wyatt is ninth, one spot ahead of Jalen Carter. If we remove edge rushers and just look at defensive tackles, Devontae Wyatt is number two. Osa Odigizua in Dallas is the only guy higher than Devontae Wyatt. Now, can I just say, when I say that our defense should be performing at a higher level, I don't give a crap how many first-round picks there are. I don't. I don't factor in darnell savage necessarily in that conversation as much as Razul douglas who is not a first round pick because it's not about when you are picked it's about the talent that you have i'm telling you two of the best pass rushers in the entire nfl are on our team neither of them are playing and we can't get production from our freaking team i'm telling you Razul douglas is one of the best coverage corners in the nfl i'm telling you jair is still a good corner i'm telling you that our linebackers are grading out well and even guys that are struggling We know that they can play better. Now, Devondre's hurt and that sucks, but when does that ever matter? When he was the number one linebacker in football, who gives a crap? Our defense still sucked. That's different than our offense and looking at that and saying, why can't you get it to produce? I don't know, maybe because the pieces don't work. Are we getting the best we can out of the offense? I don't know. What's the best we can get out of this offense? What's the best we can get out of Jordan Love? I'm not sure. But you ask me what's the best we can get out of the defense? Oh, I can give you that answer. It's a heck of a lot better than this. That just ticks me off. I if I go on social media right now and say, hey, we got two of the best pass in football, everybody's gonna laugh, including Packers fans. You know why? Because they're gonna look at our defense and say, yeah, right. If we did, we wouldn't be playing like this. We'd be so much better. We'd be we'd be like the talk. everybody be talking about how great we are. Yeah, you'd think so. That just ticks me off. Just a waste. Waste of talent. Anyways, looking at stops, uh Quay had four and then Wyatt Brooks. McDuffie and Rasul each had two. Looking at the coverage statistics, the most targeted, not surprisingly, was Carrington Valentine. Seven times he was targeted. Six of those were caught for 89 yards. Fortunately, no touchdowns given up. But just for context, the next highest was four. So he had more caught on him than some was even targeted. Um Quay, four targets, four receptions, twenty-seven yards. I mean, statistically, that's pretty negligible in my mind. I mean, you'd like to not see a hundred percent reception rate, but whatever. Isaiah McDuffie, who actually had the one good coverage grade on the team, I really I like McDuffie. I just do. Uh he plays hard. Three targets, two receptions for just uh did did 12 yards. Keyshawn Nixon had three targets, two receptions, nineteen yards. Douglas 3 targets 3 receptions and a touchdown which I guess I do remember that. Um hard to blame him for that. It looked like he was kind of screaming at Carrington for something. I'm guessing it I mean he he basically got blocked. I don't know if Carrington was supposed to do something else to make sure he didn't get in the way or if he was supposed to carry over and take the guy. I don't know, but he was he was ticked. He was hot. Things just weren't working right with Valentine because he doesn't fully understand how things are supposed to work. But I guess he gets dinged for it and so there you go. Um Jonathan Owens, two targets, one reception for just five yards. Eric Wilson, one target, one reception for seven. Darnell Savage, one target, one reception, six yards. So there you go. Other people that were in coverage that weren't targeted. I've never done this before, but Rudy Ford, thirty-four plays in coverage, never targeted. Anthony Johnson, four plays in target, uh, in four plays was never targeted. Uh, also Preston, there you go. He was in coverage once, wasn't targeted. Bing bang boom, freaking nailed it. Wonder if I wonder if the fact that this was the least he was ever in coverage has to do with what happened the <laughs> last time he was only in coverage once. Maybe we did actually learn some stuff. I don't know. That'd be cool, right? But again, unfortunately, no interceptions, no pass breakups, and 114.2 passer rating when targeted was the overall production of the defense. I don't know. I mean, when I look at this, I, I don't. I don't hate our football team. I'm I'm frustrated at times that things just seem like it's harder to kind of get it going. I know that there's ups and downs, but um, it just feels like the swings are a little bit bigger than they should be. I'm especially thinking about the offensive line; like it just feels really, really in flux. Like even when we finally see, like oh man, there's the Josh Myers we know and love that just dominant pass blocking, or at least I know and love. Everybody just decides to hate the guy for some reason. It's just a putrid run blocking performance, and I know he's never been a great run blocker, but there's a difference between being. Putrid in being subpar. And it's like, can we just not? And then Runyon, it's like he has his first good run blocking grade in a long time and he's terrible at pass blocking. Where does this come from? Come on, guys. Come on. Let's get it. And overall, again, it was a good performance. Jordan Love was relatively clean the entire day. Zero sacks. I mean, you really can't complain about zero sacks. But I just wish, you know, I don't want to see Kenny Clark at the bottom of this list. You know, I don't want, I mean, it doesn't matter anymore, but. I'd love to see Devontae Wyatt get more than six pass rush opportunities when he's a top 10 pass rusher in the NFL right now. Six opportunities. I mean, I, while well, he struggles to do, do, do I don't give a crap. I just don't. I get Rashawn's got an injury. Fine, you got to ease him in. I'll, I'll take your word for it that you're pushing him to the max. And he actually was out there with the same amount of snaps as Preston, although, you know, well, whatever, I don't know. But, I mean, Kenny Clark had the most snaps of anybody as far as pass rush opportunities, and he was our worst defensive player. It's just, you know, I don't know. I'm not mad about that because you expect Kennedy to be better, I guess. Although, if you're going to put somebody out there more than anybody, it should be Rashawn. <sighs> I don't know. Whatever. doesn't matter. we got to figure out how much team we even have left after this and what we're going to be doing. We're going to have some opportunities to to see some people. We might see some more Anthony Johnson, some more Brooks and Wooden with Wyatt being out. They'll have some opportunities. I'm hoping it's Anthony Johnson anyways and not so much Jonathan Owens. Probably get to see a good amount more wicks now with Christian Watson probably down for a little bit. Anywho, why don't we take a break? Final break. We'll come back and uh, give a few parting thoughts and we'll get out of here. We'll be right back. So some positive news here about Christian Watson. So much for the Twitter doctors. Um, I'm reading this story, by the way, via Wendell Ferreira over at AZ Sports. Green Bay Packers may have dodged a bullet with second-year wide receiver Christian Watson. According to ESPN's Rob Domofsky, tests on Watson's knee came back clean, and he has a shot to play as early as Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Quote, I'm just trying to get the initial pain and stuff out of there, and I think I'll be good to go, Watson said. So, bad news on Savage. Don't know about Stokes. Don't know about Wyatt. Musgrave, we don't know. But again, when you hear that the guy's in a boot, that's not great. I don't know who else I'm missing, but... We'll see, and we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on that. So I, w- I want to continue on with something I mentioned yesterday, and that is that a team is only as good as the coach-quarterback combo. So it's right for fans to be w- focused in that area. I think we generally understand what makes a good football team. When you look at Kansas City, the coach-quarterback combo. When you look at New England and the Patriots, the coach-quarterback and combo. You look at San Francisco and you say, well, it's mostly just a coach, but the quarterback is at least adequate. And with a quarterback, maybe they would actually win something and not just go to the playoffs and lose all the time. And you can't say it's not a quarterback because Trey Lance was their quarterback and that team was trash. Miami, coach and quarterback combo. Again, it might lean a little bit coach, but the quarterback's a big part of that. Philadelphia, coach and quarterback. You get any other kind of combination, it's not going to matter. You could say, well, look at all, you know, so-and-so, they got good wide receivers too. Okay, find teams that have a good coach and good wide receivers but no quarterback and tell me how successful they are. So again, I just want to elaborate on on what I said yesterday as far as the quarterback is concerned because my whole thing has been I don't need further explanation. I don't need to throw more people under the bus. And I know people think it's unfair then, and, and the weight should be evenly distributed because it's not fair to pile it all on one person and that's fair to some degree because obviously it's never just one person's fault. But... Let me just give you some backing to my saying that the team will go as far as the quarterback will take them. In 2020, and I'm using DVOA here, we had the number one quarterback in football. Our offense ranked number one. In 2021, we had again MVP. Our offense ranked number two behind only Tampa Bay. In 2022, Aaron Rodgers was a little bit more on the average side of things. In fact, PFF ranked him, what, 11th? Guess where our offense ranked via DVOA? 12th. This year, our quarterback, Jordan Love, ranks 25th. Our offense right now is ranked 17th, believe it or not. I mean, that is about as direct of a correlation as you're ever going to find. When you have elite quarterback play, you have an elite offense. When you have mediocre quarterback play, you have a mediocre offense. When you have bad quarterback play, you have a bad offense. Do you think for one second, if we had a quarterback with a PFF grade that was top 10, we'd be sitting here talking about how trash the offensive scheme is? Do you think for one second we'd be doing that? No chance. Just like how early in the season when Jordan Love looked better, Matt LaFleur was suddenly a genius. You remember that? And then when Jordan Love was bad, Matt LaFleur suddenly is an idiot and needs to be fired. It seems to me, and I can say this with some relative confidence, that if Jordan Love could stop being maybe the 25th ranked quarterback and be something closer to even what Aaron Rodgers was, which was around 10th, 11th, 12th, somewhere in that range, we would see a significant jump to our team. And I know I'm dreaming here, but if he magically could become the number one quarterback like Aaron Rodgers was, I think we could be so good that we could actually be one of the top offenses. Maybe not the top, because we still have some of the young players, we don't have Devontae, but I'd be willing to bet we wouldn't be the 17th ranked offense anymore. I'd be willing to bet some of our wide receivers would start to stand out a little bit. They'd start having bigger statistics, better plays. We'd start thinking higher of them. We'd probably think higher of our offensive line. We'd be thinking higher of our coach and our play calling. I don't need a secondary explanation. I'm looking at the 25th ranked quarterback in football. That tells me everything I need to know about an offense. There is nobody... At 25 or lower, that is the quarterback of a good offense. Should we investigate it? Okay. Kenny Pickett is 26th. Their offense is 19th. Negative 8.3 DVOA. That's 8.3% worse than your average offense. Sam Howell in Washington. They rank 27th on offense at negative 14.3. Josh Dobbs, Arizona. They rank 14th. Mac Jones, New England, 21st. Daniel Jones, Giants, 32nd. Zach Wilson with the Jets, 28th. There isn't a single example of a bad quarterback with a good offense. Not one. In fact, we could keep going up from Jordan Love. Derek Carr ranks 24th. New Orleans, they're 19th. Deshaun Watson, Cleveland, they're 29th. Joe Burrow, Cincinnati, 23rd. Justin Fields, Chicago, 26th. I don't think it's a coincidence that all of the good quarterbacks happen to have really good offenses, and all of the bad quarterbacks happen to have bad offenses. This isn't freaking rocket science. To be honest, the fact that the Packers are ranked 17th is pretty miraculous. It might not be a one-to-one correlation, because there are other factors. Quarterbacks and coaches. Coaches matter, too. But what team could Jordan Love go to and have a successful offense? Certainly not chicago or cincinnati or cleveland or new orleans or pittsburgh or washington or arizona or new england or or the giants or the jets they're not able to thrive with what they have at quarterback do we think that it's great offenses that make great quarterbacks it's not actually the quarterback that does it and and teams are actually stupid for paying quarterbacks because actually it's just some random person you just slap an offensive line and some wide receivers and whoever's behind center just turns into an elite player that's news to pat mahomes who showed up and made a historically garbage franchise become a dynasty that's news to the patriots who are a garbage organization until tom brady showed up and made it a dynasty and then went to zero after he left is that how it works you have good players around somebody and they become a good quarterback or is it the quarterback that elevates the team because when rogers was here it was a very good team when brett Favre was here it was a very good team except for those times when those quarterbacks struggled and then it became not so good anymore we know this Guys, we know how this works. This is not freaking rocket science. If you want the offense to improve, we need Jordan Love to improve. And this whole thing about, well, Matt LaFleur needs to put him in. What freaking situation? What situation? Keep all the passes under five yards so we can piss and moan about how it's such a weak offense where all we do is dump the ball off? Or should we rocket it down the field where Jordan Love has no ability to have any accuracy down the field? What's your plan? And then when we run the ball, I see people on Twitter pissing and moaning about running the ball. Look at, all oh, let's look at how we ran. Well, it was run, 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 pass. Run, run, run. Well, that's not how you do it in a modern-day offense. So what should we do? Should we pass it with what? Jordan Love? Should we throw it short? Because then we, then we piss and moan about it being short. Should we throw it past? Because then we're setting him up to fail because he can't pass down the field. These are BS excuses. If you try to allow Jordan Love to play, he will fail. If you try to build an offense that leans on other people and takes so and, and and tries to lean on his strengths then it's a, a a a garbage offense do you understand the problem there is no offense that you can run that makes this work there is no game plan that you can put together that's going to work and succeed there is no play calling there's nothing you can do what are you going to do you run the ball you fail you try to be creative you're going to fail you throw it short, you're conceding and it's weak and it's 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 create it's there's no creativity to this offense. You try to throw it deep, it's gonna fail. What is the plan? What could possibly be the plan that's gonna work? Well that's the coach's job to figure it out. What if there is nothing and there's nothing to figure out? What if this team is just not executing? What if they just can't do basic stuff? What if there's no scheming? No amount of scheming or creativity or game planning is ever going to be enough to elevate what we have to the level of success. Then what? We're going to fire Matt LaFleur for not figuring it out? What if we gave him a bunch of six-year-olds? Is it still his job to figure it out? Or can we concede that it's just an impossible task? That's not to say there isn't another human being that could be better for the job. That's not saying if Kyle Shanahan raised his hand and said, you know what, I'd be willing to come over, believe me, I'd jump at it. Sorry, Matt, I like you, you got great eyebrows, but Kyle, you're in. But guess what? Kyle ain't going to make this work, and you know what Kyle's going to do year one? He's getting a new quarterback. Because Kyle Shanahan is useless. If he's going to scheme a guy, if he's going to turn one of our guys into Kittle and have him open 20 yards down the field wide open and Jordan can't hit him, that ain't going to work. If his scheme has people coming open and he doesn't see it and instead rocket balls it into triple coverage, what the heck is the point of the scheme? This is exactly what I said about the Raiders game. Guys are open, guys are open, guys are open, guys are open. Nobody wants to listen. Everybody's open, 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 open. He's not seeing it. He's not throwing it. Inaccurate. Overthrow, underthrow, interception, interception, interception. What's Kyle Shanahan going to do? Get people open? There's a novel idea. Then what? I guess we fire him too. Because all he's doing is getting guys open, but he's not putting Jordan in a position to succeed. That's the problem. It's not about getting them open. Who cares if guys are open? It's about... It's about building around Jordan. And I don't know what that means, but it just, you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta build around him, you know? You gotta motivate him. You gotta make him want to play better. You gotta dig in deep in his soul. No, bullcrap. He needs to step up. That's it. End of story. Dude needs to step up. Offensive line isn't the problem. Play calling isn't the problem. Wide receivers aren't the problem. Yes, on a handful of plays, sure which happens across the league. But we don't have this level of offensive travesty going on. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond comfortable making a promise to you. The second Jordan Love becomes a top 10 quarterback is the second we become a top 10 offense. Okay? I will make you that promise. As soon as he can do that, as soon as we see consistent top 10 play, We will see this offense become a top 10 offense. Or at least in and around what we had last year. Whatever it was I said. If he can be 12th, then we'll have the 15th best offense. Somewhere in that range. Mark my words. Don't believe me? Well, we'll just kick up our feet and wait for it to happen. But as long as Jordan Love is a bottom 5, bottom 10 quarterback, I don't want to freaking hear all the whining about things not being easy enough for him. Learn to throw a 10-yard pass. Sit here and make excuses for that? Frickin' high school kids can make these throws. I'm not making excuses! That's garbage! You say, what about the coach piece? You said that was important too. Well, here's the thing. I made the claim that this team can go as high as the quarterback will take it. Essentially, is what I said. That may not be true depending on the coach that you have. Here's the thing. We had the number one quarterback... And we had the number one offense with this coach, with this scheme, with this play caller. Not 10 years ago, not eight years ago, two freaking years ago, and three years ago. So no, I don't really have any doubts that if we had the number one quarterback, that we could have a top offense. I have no reason to believe that Matt LaFleur would hold us back if we had a top offense or a a top quarterback. I have no reason to believe that. Because that hasn't been demonstrated. He wasn't a hindrance. He was the play caller. Yeah, well, Rodgers changes plays. Okay, well, if we have the number one quarterback in football, guess what he's going to do? He's going to read defenses really well, and you know what he's going to do? He's going to change plays. The plays that Matt LaFleur calls. It's all kind of baked into the cake, the whole quarterback thing. If he's incapable of doing that, he's probably not the number one quarterback, right? So, no, I don't want the whole team fired. I don't want the GM fired. I don't want the entire offensive line replaced. I don't need the running backs replaced. I don't need a new head coach and all new coaching staff. I don't need to start over at the wide receiver position and the tight end position and just burn it all with fire, and Jair sucks, and everybody sucks, and everything's terrible. No, it's not. I'd like a new defensive coordinator and a better quarterback. Whether that's Jordan or somebody else, I don't care. I would love it if it's Jordan, but the clock's ticking. He's got just a handful of weeks to climb his way from the bottom of the barrel up to the top. Because this team will go where he goes we're looking at this backwards we need to fix the team for jordan love no jordan love needs to fix himself for the sake of the team the team's ready the coach is ready the receivers are ready the offensive line is ready are they perfect no are they going to make mistakes yes but they're ready if you will rise to the occasion they're ready and everything we said at the beginning of the season becomes true are they super bowl contenders probably not but can they beat the crap out of this garbage division In an NFL filled with just a complete lack of talent? Absolutely. Can they sail into the playoffs? Absolutely. Can they make a good showing and give the fans hope for the future? Absolutely. But that starts with Jordan Love. And it would be nice if we could take that first step to him having his first good game of the year. That would be a great first step. we got the Minnesota Vikings coming up. Let's have our first good game of the year. Start there, and we'll see if we can build on it. I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.